Good morning again, and uh, what an amazing time of worship, praising God for who He is, and in our time of worship, expressing our desire to give ourselves to Him because we know we can trust our God. In our series in the Psalms, we have gone through a, a few different types of Psalms. Last Sunday, Peter talked about uh, a Psalms of praise. Today, we want to kind of, in the same vein, look at prayer uh, Psalms of Thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving and praise are, are kind of connected in, in a few ways. But I think that the main difference between praise and thanksgiving is this. Praise has to do with expressing gratitude for who God is. And thanksgiving has to do more with expressing gratitude for what God has done for us. And so today we want to look at what is God doing in our lives how can we express gratitude for the gifts of God in our lives? The thing about thanksgiving is, and this is a, a key truth I want us to recognize today, and that is this, thanksgiving does not have to do as much with what we have as it has to do with how we view what we have. Thanksgiving does not have to do as much with how much we have it has to do with how we view that what which we have. So today we want to look at what, is some, what are some of the gifts that God has given to us. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to take some time in uh, Psalm 107. So it's a, it's a long psalm, so we're not going to read the whole psalm. But I want us to recognize some key truths that David is showing us in this psalm of how we can thank God for what he is doing in our lives. The foundation of all thanksgiving, and if we kind of parse how these words fall apart, there's thanks and then there's giving. So when we are thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're expressing how we are thankful. And thanksgiving or thankfulness comes out of gratitude. Gratitude starts in the heart. It's, a, it's the way that we see our lives. It's the way that we see the things that are happening to us. It's the way that we see the gifts that God is giving us. And so thanksgiving in many ways starts with gratitude. Gratitude is then an inclination of our heart. Having gratitude in our soul in a sense becomes a lens through which we view our whole lives. Gratitude becomes a lens which we view our whole experiences through. And if we have a spirit, an inclination of the heart towards gratitude, we will see our experiences very differently than if we do not. So it's important that we start here. Because as we look through this psalm and we see how God blessed David with many different gifts... If David did not have the inclination in his heart to be thankful for these things, these gifts would not lead to thanksgiving. And so it's important for us as Christ followers or those of us who are, are wanting to have thanksgiving in our lives to start at the heart level and ask ourselves, do we have gratitude in our heart? Do we have a lens of thanksgiving in our heart? So let's uh, open our Bibles to Psalm 107. We're just kind of go through a few verses and see how God blessed David and how David was thankful for the things that God gave him. So we'll start in verse 1, and he starts with saying, 
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Here's something that we need to recognize about Thanksgiving, and that is this. Thanksgiving does not happen in a vacuum. You need two things for Thanksgiving to really have an impact. One, you need something that you're thankful for. And secondly, you need someone you can thank for the gifts that you received. So who are we to thank for the gifts in our lives? We are to thank the Lord. The Lord is the one that gives us every good thing. In, In James chapter 1, verses 17, James writes, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift comes from God. So in order for us to express our thanksgiving, to have a thankful heart, we need someone to thank, and that person is God. God is the one who gives us all good things. So what are some of the things that David was thankful for, and by extension, things that we should be thankful for? Like I already read in verse 1, and then in verse 8, 21, and 31, we see, first of all, that he is thankful for God's goodness and love. He's thankful for who God is. It is out of God's goodness, it's out of God's love, that God is giving good gifts. It is because God is good that he gives good gifts. And he reminds us of the depths of God's love. He says, God's love endures forever. I will give thanks to the Lord. And here we see how, how thanksgiving and praise are, are connected. We see that part of our thanksgiving is grounded in recognizing who God is. God is good and God is loving. But God has not kept his love to himself God has not just allowed love to become, to stay a feeling. He hasn't allowed it to just to stay a desire for things to happen in a good for us. He has expressed that love to us. He has shown that love to us. He has accepted us as sons and daughters, those who have accepted Christ as their Savior and Lord. He has given His grace to everyone. He has shown us His love. And I think this is a very important place to start. That even as our lives sometimes seem like there's very few things to be thankful for, I think one of the things that we need to recognize is that we can and we should be thankful because our Creator loves us. We may feel rejected by almost everyone else in the world, but our Creator, our loving God, loves you, He loves me. And that includes every one of us. And what kind of love is this? This is an unfailing love. No matter what we do, no matter what we've done, no matter where we find ourselves, God loves re- reaches into the depths of our lives and it wraps its arms around us and expresses itself through Jesus Christ. That we are reconciled to God. I think uh, as we read through Psalm 107, as you kind of skim through it, as we read through it, you'll see this phrase is repeated four times in this passage. So what David is, is saying here, in a sense, is that 
this is kind of the foundation of all the other gifts. It is because God is loving, it is because He is good, that we can thank Him for all the other ones. God's love never fails. So we can thank God for what He for who he is. And then David gives some examples of how we can thank God for what he has done. And in verse 2, um, he, he says, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, he gathered people together. And in verse 3, he gathered, those he gathered from lands from east to west, from north to south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. I know some of you have experienced coming to Canada, coming to Leamington from a different area. And I know that as a family, we've experienced that. And I want us to remember that you are not in Leamington area out of accident. God has led you to where you are today. And God is gathering his people and, and we welcome you to be part of this body of Christ. And this is your body of Christ if you belong here. And God has gathered us as a people and we can be thankful for one another. So as we look around this room today, and if you're watching online, there are so many believers that God has placed in your life that we can be thankful for. So look around and be thankful for each other. Further, he says in verse 5, they were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. These were people who at various times had little. And we could say they did not have enough. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives were ebbed away. But in their depths of their need, God met them there. I think there's something about being in a time of need that draws us closer to God. Have you ever thanked God for your time's of need. It's very, very hard to do it when you're in the middle of that need, but very often when we look back to that time of the need, that season of need, we see how God did an amazing work in our lives, and we thank God for those times that we were hungry, those times when we were wasting away. It's very hard to do it when we're in the middle of it, but we can thank God for what He is doing in our time of need. And like I already mentioned in verse 6, we see that God did not leave them in their time of need. In verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, verse 28, we read, And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. And over and over again He says, And they cried out to the Lord. If you find yourselves this morning, or whenever you're hearing this, and you find yourself in a time of need, in a time of trouble, in a time of distress. It says, and then they cried out to the Lord. That is what God is calling us to do. We may not get the answers that we wish, but we will always hear, we will always have a God with an open ear. We may not find all our problems solved right away, but we will find a God who saves us from our time of distress. It is often in our times of distress that we sense the presence of God that we would not sense in a time of plenty. 
And God's greatest gift to those who are struggling in a time of distress is often not that he takes them from their time of distress. He, it is that he is with them in their time of distress. The God who has made everything, the God that has created the stars, the God that has hung the moon and the planets exactly where they are to be, he is in the middle of your time of distress. And there is a calmness, there is an assurance that comes with this. And in our time of distress, we can be so thankful that God never leaves and forsakes us. He is always with us. In verse 7, he says, And he led them by a straight way to the city where they could settle. We sometimes sing of the song, God is a way maker. Even though we don't really understand how God is working behind the scenes. And sometimes we may never even understand how everything works together on this side of the earth. We can be thankful that God is always working. He is always straightening our paths. Sure, our God's straight paths may be a lot more crooked than we would like them to be. But God's ways are always upright. And it is often looking back, we can see how a path that we see or we saw that was crooked is actually straight when we see it through God's eyes. So we are thankful for how God is working. And then in verse 9, we see that he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Perhaps this morning you find yourselves in a time of, of wrestling with God. You're thirsty and you desire and you're hungry for God's word. Nothing makes sense. God is the one who, who satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. So we need to be thankful for how God supplies our needs. We need to be, learn to be content with enough. See, here's the thing that I've learned in my own life, and I think this is something that many of you have learned in your life, and if you haven't, this is an important truth for us to accept, and that is this. God will always give us what we need, but God will not always give us what we want. God will supply our needs, but if we are out and we see God as a vending machine and we think if, if we just have just the right amount of faith, or we ask God just the right way, then we will have everything we want. But it's important that we adjust our heart to become a heart of gratitude so we can see how God supplies our needs, even though He may not always supply our wants. And here, I think it's very important for us to answer a question for ourselves, and that is this, what am I content with? What is enough for me? I think many of us struggle with being content because we really don't even know how much would be enough for us to finally be content about. But listen to what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. Verse 13 is a, a verse that we, we usually emphasize, but it's written in the context of 10 to 13. He says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. 
I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in all and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. What is God going to give him strength to do? He is going to give him strength to be content in every circumstance. He is going to give him strength to continue to serve even when he is in a time of need. Because God is in the business of meeting needs. It's very, very important then that we adjust our attitude towards what is important. In verse 42 of, of Psalm 107, he says, The upright see and rejoice, and all the wicked shut their mouths. When our heart is, reckon, is, is, is set to understand what contentment is, we will see how God is meeting our needs. We will not see our lack, we will see our provision. Many of you have children, and I know that children's and adults are the same in many ways. Many of you moms have experienced this, and maybe dads, if you cook as well. You've just slaved, and you've made this amazing meal, and you've spent maybe an hour, two hours on this meal, and you, you just, like, this is the greatest meal you ever made. And then you come to the table, and your beautiful little blonde little child, whatever hair, they sit down, they look at the plate of food that you have just slaved over and says, I don't like this. Right? Some of you can, and maybe your kids are like, oh, I did that yesterday. I, it was bad. It is often our perspective that will cause us to say, I don't like this. We fail to recognize all the things that God had to do to line up the things that we have in our lives. And the same ways that the child expression, I don't like this, is an insult to the one who has made the meal. I think when we say to God, the one who is giving us all that we need and meeting all of our needs, I don't like this. I think it is an insult to God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4, Paul writes this, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received in thanksgiving. Did you know that everything is good if you receive it with thanksgiving? It may not be the car that you would want, but it might be the car that you need. It might not be the house that you want, but it's the house that you need. And if it's given from God, and it is, then it is good. And if you see it as good, it can be received with thanksgiving. So again, so much of thanksgiving is adjusting our mindset to see how God is working in our lives. And then because we see the goodness of God in meeting our needs, Rather than saying, I don't like this, we can say thank you. And then continues, if we have a heart of discontent, in the same way that gratitude changes our view of our circumstance, discontentment also changes the way that we view our lives. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10, 
It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. Paul is not saying in these verses that having money is bad or wrong or evil. What he's speaking to is this discontentment. Always one more. One more is the enemy of gratitude. If we are never content with what we have, we will never be thankful for the next thing we get. And many of us have spent maybe a big part of our lives chasing that next thing, and we never define for ourselves what would be enough. And we live with this constant discontentment in our lives, and we wonder why we are not happy. So Paul is teaching us in these verses, and as we read Psalm 107, we see these many good things that God has given us, and it is important that we adjust ourselves to see the good in what God has given. And then back to Psalm 107, we see how David recognizes the discipline of God in his own life. And in verse 10 to 14, he says this, Some sat in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. We have that phrase again. He brought them out of the darkness and utter darkness and broke away their chains. So he says, and there's two ways that God saved them. First, in verse 10, we see some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. In other ways, we could say there was no hope in their lives. Everything seemed dark and gloomy and hopeless. And into that situation, God's redemptive light shone bright. I like what John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verses 8. He says, yet I am writing you new command. Its truth is seen in him, he's talking about Christ, and in you. Because darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Many of you have stories of how you, were, you found yourselves in a time of depression. When I talk about depression, I'm, I'm meaning both maybe a mental illness and also a season of hopelessness, of gloom. And yet in those times of distress and darkness, God's hope and love shone brighter than your hope, hopelessness could ever be. In your darkness, the good news of Christ, the good news of the goodness of God shone and you found freedom from that darkness. Thank God for that. And then he continues in verse 10, he says, prisoners suffers, suffering in iron chains. And then later when Jesus came and he, in his ministry on earth, in the beginning he said this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the sight of for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Christ is the one who set us free. Many of you have stories of being enslaved to different addictions. Many of you have a background of alcoholism. Maybe many of you have bondages to unhealthy relating patterns to others. And through help that you received from people, maybe a pastor, maybe a counselor, maybe through studying God's word, maybe through prayer, God has set you free. Thank God for that. That's a gift of God in our life. And if you find yourself still in bondage this morning, Christ wants to set you free. He does not want you to remain in your prison. He does not want you to remain in your chains. Christ has come to set you free. And then he names many more things. In verse 16 and 17, or in 16 and 24, he writes of how mighty the works of the Lord's are and how God is continually doing great things. And I think one of the reasons why we miss the great works of God in our lives is because we don't look for them. God is continually doing miracles in our lives and we do well to see them. And then I want us to look at one last thing. we we'll go all back to the beginning of the psalm. And in verse 2, and it says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. How are you going to tell your story? How are you going to share your stories of what God has done in your life? See, there's something extremely powerful of expressing our thanksgiving. When we express what we are thankful for, in a sense what we are doing, we're not only praising God and thanking God for what He has done in front of other people, bringing glory to Him. We solidify gratitude in our hearts when we express it out loud. So there's something very important about expressing gratitude out loud. We need to become people who tell our stories. I used to be this. Thank God He worked in my life. I was in a time of need. God met those needs. Maybe your story, you feel, in this particular season, you're right in the middle of the story. You don't know yet how God is going to meet your need. But because we trust that God is good and we have seen Him work in our lives before, dare I challenge us to say we can thank God for what He will do. We don't know how He's going to do it, but we thank Him already because we know He will. In faith we step forward. It may not be the straight path we would have planned, but God will work in our lives. Let me make a little point of caution here. I'm not saying that we need to fake it till we make it. We don't need to make up things to be thankful for. We need, do not need to rose-color our lives. But we need to look into our lives to see how God has been good to us. Because they're there. And thank Him. Express thanks to others.
I think one of the other things that happens when we tell our stories is that we are an influence on others. Verse, uh, in, in Psalms 34, verses 5, it says this, Those who look on him are radiant. Their face, faces are never covered with shame. Have you ever been with a thankful person who makes you depressed? Have you ever been with a thankful person who takes all your hope away? No. When we express our thankfulness and our gratitude, we bring hope to people. When we express and we tell our stories, we lift other people up and we encourage them and we bring joy. So church, I want to encourage you in your friends groups, in your family gatherings, whatever, wherever you meet, and in your families, become people who express their thanksgiving. Let it become a habit of the way that we talk so that in all things we can thank God for what he has done and in doing so offer praise for what he has done for us. I want to close by reading 100 of Psalm 107 verse 43. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of our Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. God in heaven, we read in, in James that all good things come from you. You are a good God, you are a loving God, and give these gifts out of love. Today, if we are here and perhaps our heart has not been in the right place, we have a heart of discontentment. God, in that darkness, shine your light of hope Give us an understanding of your goodness so that we can tell our stories. Collectively as a church today, God, we want to say thank you. You have been good, so good to us. You have been so good to us. You have provided for our needs. You continue to work mightily among us. And God, we've counted a privilege and we want to say thank you that you are using us to build your kingdom, not ours, but the kingdom that we seek in Christ Jesus. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.